Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us for part two and the conclusion of a great interview with author Janie Pitts. Now, if you've ever wondered why the Bible phrases certain things a certain way or why certain words are used in a particular passage and wonder why why was that? I mean, what was, what was the point they're trying to get out? Oh, you do not want to miss this interview. In fact, if you missed any of the preceding interview, you need to go back and catch up because Janie Pitts has authored a great book titled Deeply Defined, Understanding Who You Are in Christ. And oh, folks, this is just a a fabulous book that explains so many things about the biblical culture and the settings, the time periods that that Jesus is ministering in, the, the characters of the Bible are talking about. And when you take it all into context, suddenly the scriptures just open up to you. I know that's how I do my Bible studies. As I'm reading the Bible, if a particular word just kind of jumps off the page at me, I stop right there and I get out the concordance. I get out my other versions of the Bible. I got like 20 different versions of the Bible. I start doing a deep dive. I start doing a study on that word. I've written books because of it. I've done sermons because of it, done teachings because of it. And Jamie and her book, Deeply Defined, Understanding Who You Are in Christ, is just a great book that you need to get. And while you're listening to this episode, drop down the show notes, click the link there, order your copy right now. But we're going to jump right back into the conclusion of this interview with Janie Pitts. Should your book, Deeply Defined, should it be read straight through like a regular book or is it a reference or is it a study guide? You know, what's the best, best method for reading your book? Well, when I wrote it, I originally wrote it as a uh, five day a week, six, six week study guide. That's, that was the original intent of the book. And, but then I realized because I've never published anything before, um, my publisher, Morgan James, who's fabulous, uh, met with me and they said, look, we love it, but you're an unknown. No, people are not going to buy a study guide, turn it into a book, but you can still keep that idea if you would like. And then it's it's kind of dual in its purpose. And I thought, well, that's brilliant. So um, I don't think that you can read it all the way through. It is it is kind of deep. I mean, like I said, it took me two years to write. So for you to really grasp everything, I want you to take your time. I want you to chew on it. Um, I, I do have on my website, I have free study guides that are six study guides so that you can take five chapters at a time and then come together as a group. Because I think what's in it, it's important to discuss with others what you're learning. So you can read it like that in in a group setting. I also have had friends tell me that they've used it as their quiet time. But it's 30 chapters. And so they'll take one chapter a day and they'll read it and they'll, you know, mark in their Bibles and things like that. And then other people just kind of read a chapter 
or two. And if something really sticks out to them, they'll go back. I mean, I've had people tell me, oh, I've read that chapter three times. I keep, (laughs) you know, underlining things in my Bible and chasing down, you know, this, this word in other places. And, and that's what I want. I want people to see the word grace and have maybe a scripture that I didn't refer to in the book, but that pops in their head that they flip to and it takes them deeper because that's the Holy Spirit in their life, Mm -hmm. teaching and guiding them and and moving them. So yeah, this book is to be very much read and, and, and studied and talked about, but also used as a reference after. I mean, keep it, keep it around, put it on your shelf. And if you can't remember what something means, take it off, flip to the back. Yeah. Amen. amen. You know, we've talked about how other people can use it to expand their understanding of the Bible. How has your understanding of the Bible expanded because of your studies? Yes. uh, Too many, this would be a 48 hour interview if I answer that in full. So I'm going to hit the highlights. (laughs) Um, Hey folks, let's tell Paul's here, go get a cup of coffee. (laughs) Go get a cup of coffee. Get your teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's the first three chapters um, were on holiness. And those chapters were the most daunting and they were the hardest to write. And I think I rewrote them. You've heard, you've probably heard writing is rewriting. I rewrote those chapters probably six to eight times each because just kept honing in and honing in because it's so daunting because how in the world, I mean, the book is called deeply defined. How do you define something, you know, the, our, the being the creator of the universe that cannot be defined. And I finally had to wrap my mind around, look, I'm not even trying that I'm trying to define aspects of his character that we can understand so that through his spirit and his power, we can reflect those to other people. But that, that meant a lot to me. Holiness, the, the definition is it's beautiful. It is that God is above and beyond, but yet he chooses to reach down and interact. And we see that with Adam and Eve as he walked in the garden. We see it, who he is in the person of Jesus Christ. We see it in the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We we see that again and again and again. And when we understand that, I think it is, again, it's that that humble thankfulness that we can go to the Lord because He is always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So the, the holiness aspect was huge. Um, there are five chapters on grace, and that was a really fun one to dive into as well because grace and holiness, the Hebraic concept of both of those are very, very similar. There's only about 8,000 Hebrew words that are used. Only. Only, only right. <laughs> and so one means like 15 things. And so, which is not confusing. What it does is it offers layers to the meaning and, and it's beautiful. And usually because it's such an ancient language, there is something physical or a physical act that it describes. And so the idea of grace is similar to holiness. It's a picture of a loving father bending down to help a child. Mm -hmm. And then you compare that with holiness above and beyond, yet chooses to reach in and interact. We see grace in his holiness, and we also see holiness in that grace. Mm -hmm. And so that that kind of goes together. And then my, my favorite 
theologian is Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was just a complete and utter rock star anyway. He was during the Second World War and he got out of Germany. He actually went back because he had such a heart for the Jews and he died. It was like four hours or four days or I don't know, something um, before where he was. He was in a concentration camp. Um, was liberated. So, but just this beautiful concept of cheap grace and costly grace. And so we talk about that. I talk about that in the book as well, because I think when we understand, when we make God's grace cheap and we don't understand what it is, we're not really experiencing grace at all. And then he calls it costly grace where it's this beautiful, you know, we can't earn grace. It's not, it's, it's given, you know, um, it's by grace you're saved through faith, not by works. But when we, when we understand that it helps us how we live and it helps us again, approach that throne of grace that, that the Bible talks about. So, you know, those, those things meant a lot. And then the little nuggets, um, like the word glory, uh, is such a cool, that's one of my favorite discoveries. Um, glory comes from battle armaments. I mean, who knew what, right. you know, <laughs> and means heavier weighty. And, and so that's neat too. So there's a lot of different ways that it has impacted my own personal walk and study and faith and worship and prayer time. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really fun. Amen. Amen. There's so many questions I could ask right now. <laughs> I know one of your favorites to talk about, though, is What's what that? it means to be still. Oh, Can you yes. share a little bit about that? Yes. This is the one that I think every day I probably refer to. I actually have be still and know, which is Psalm 4610. I have it on my bathroom wall. A friend painted it on this, this beautiful wood for me. And I see it every morning, but there's all kinds of different be stills in the Bible. And in the book, there's a chapter and I I think I hit four of them, but my favorite be still is the one in Psalms 4610, where it says, be still and know that I am God. And again, like I told you that, that Hebrew usually has an action and the, the be still action action that it's referring to is, uh, the word is rafa in Hebrew, and it's a picture of fists put together and made as tight as they can. And to where you can feel it. I mean, if you do that, if you make a fist right now, you can feel it down your forearm. You might be able to feel it in your biceps, even in your shoulders, because you get so tense and then you let go and your whole body relaxes. Mm. Well, rafa is the act of, of opening up and letting go. And that idea of be still and know is cease fighting. Let it go. Trust the Lord. And what I love about that picture is when, when you, when you have that fist and then you rafa and you let go, you go from a stance of fighting to a stance of worship. And so if we ever are worried or concerned or afraid or whatever it is, we just, or if we just think, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I just think, Janie, just let it go. Amen. Let it go. The Lord has it, you know, and then the, even the, and no goes with that be still because um, knowledge in the Hebraic sense was experiential in our sense, because we come from the Greco Roman world, it's, it's very linear. And so knowledge is, is very cerebral, but in the Hebraic culture, 
you didn't know something until you experienced it. So every time the Bible talks about knowing God, it's talking about experiencing God in your life, which is why he's a personal God. It's why the holiness matters, why the grace matters. It's, you know, it all goes together and it just takes you to these beautiful places where, where you can um, socialize, integrate is, is the better word, integrate your life with, with our creator in such a beautiful and intimate way. So, yeah, but that be still, I, I'll be driving down the road and I'll be thinking about something, you know, and I might worry or, oh no, what's going to happen? Or I don't know what to do about this. And I'm like, Janie, be still. And I'll just open up, you know, (laughs) I'll let go of the steering wheel and just open up. There's no telling what people driving beside me. think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you don't have one of those uh, self-driving Teslas? I don't. And (laughs) I don't know that I could get in one of those. That is just weird to me. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you talk a lot about confession and repentance as well. Can you share a little bit of this with us from your book and how important are these for our relationship with Christ? Yes, they are imperative. Again, that confession and repentance, I mean, God knows anyway, but I think that we don't talk a lot about confession and repentance. We love to talk about grace and mercy and forgiveness. We love to talk about all those things that we get to receive, um, when, especially if we've done something wrong or, or whatever. What we don't like to talk about is our end of the deal. I mean, God is a covenant God, and that it's it's a relationship. And so that confession and repentance is something that we need to do every day. And when it does, when we do that, I think it keeps us constantly aware of God's love for us and that his, you know, he does reside inside of us and we need to tap into his wisdom and his will and his ways because we all can be jerks. We all have messed up. We all have done things. You know, I mean, you, you've heard that old saying that the foot is, or the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know, all of us are in the same boat. We all need Jesus. And so that confession and repentance opens up our heart. It keeps us from being bitter. It keeps us from being hardened. It keeps us from uh, trying to go deeper in a sin where we try to cover one thing and then another and then another and another. We just confess it. Um, and then you also have to repent. You can't confess and not repent because, I mean, you can, yeah. but it's not going to yeah. be effective, <laughs> yeah. right? And then yeah. you also can't repent but not confess because if you turn around, but you don't really confess it, then have you really admitted that what you did was wrong or are you just trying to cover it up? Yeah. And so it's it's so important and it keeps us in a, a stance of, of, beautiful humility of living in the love and graciousness of the Lord and just knowing that anything good he decides to do through us is by his grace because we've been forgiven because all of us can be jerks, right? But um, he loves us and, and he uses his people and, you know, he doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to be obedient. And part of that obedience is confessing and repenting. Yeah, amen. And that leads me right into the next question. How does faith and obedience relate to each other? And how are they different? 
Yeah, faith and obedience. Faith is being um, steadfast. That that Hebrew word for faith is imanah, and it's beautiful. And the first time that we actually see it used um, is with Moses when the people are fighting, and he and he has to hold up his hands, um, and he gets so tired he has some friends help him out. Which I love that picture because sometimes we get tired, and our friends need to help us. Which is the importance of having a faith community. But it you know saying that we have faith. And living out that faith um, are are two. Unfortunately, in our society, we have divided those things. Yeah. In the Hebraic first century culture, that never would have happened. Mm. If if you say it, then you do it. Because if 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 you don't experience it, then it's not really real. Yeah. And I think we've convinced ourselves that it's you know you can think it, but you don't have to live it, and that's just not true. And it's important for us to live out our faith. It's important for us to do what we say that we believe. So obedience is, is imperative and, and that faith is imperative because if, if you say that you believe one thing, but then you're not obedient to that, I would think, well, do you really truly believe it? Amen. So they yeah. do very much yeah. go together. Mm-hmm. Amen. And when was it Paul says show me your faith by your acts and I'll show you by my faith by what I do type thing when someone says I'm obedient to the Lord but then you know you you look at I'm not going to use any specific let's say their lifestyle you know whatever that might be Mm -hmm. and then you ask them well what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, the Bible isn't up to date. Bible isn't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that was written in archaic times, but cultures have changed. We've, we've progressed beyond that. Yeah. And I just feel so sad for these people because they right. are so deceived. Right. That, you know, I mean, if the Bible says it, it has to be true. And if it has to be true, then what are you doing different and why? And right. they're just believing the lies of the devil. And when you just talked about, you know, how faith and obedience are related to each other, they're not just related, they're married to each other. They can't be separated. Yes. You know? I mean, you can't have a marriage and say, you know, well, you do your thing and I'll do mine and, you know, we'll just right. call ourselves married, you know, I mean, it's, right. it doesn't work that way. You know? Right, right. It's, it just, it, that's why books like yours are so important because even if that's the only thing people get out of this book is mm. their relationship with Jesus has to be paramount to everything. And yes, life. that if one person gets that revelation, it's all worth it. It's yes. your two years of hard work was worth it. You know? <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that takes us back to hope. What yes. does hope really mean when we see it in the Bible? How can person have biblical hope? Yes. And that is another word that the first time that we, we see it used, it isn't translated as the word hope. It's in Joshua chapter two. It's translated as the word cord. And it's talking about Rahab and that cord. And oh, what amen. is it? Right. Yeah. And so um, in in those cultural times, um, there were different things that you would do to show that you would make a covenant with someone or an agreement with someone. 
but if if you were under duress, the way that you would make an agreement is you would give someone a cord, which is hmm. pretty cool. And so we see that in in that story. But so that's kind of a sidebar that doesn't have anything to do with hope. That's just kind of a cool, fun historical, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. thing. Um, but the word hope, when we say our hope is in Christ, it means that our hope is attached, just like a cord to Christ. Um, and our hope, we use the word hope nowadays as more of a wish. Yeah. Oh, I wish that would that's happen. True. I hope yeah. that would happen. But yeah. biblical hope, that's not what that means. Biblical hope is I am putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I'm attaching it to him, and I'm seeking his will. And that's what biblical hope is talking about. So when we read our hope is in him, we don't need to read it as what we wish would come true is in him. It's our faith and trust and and life and steadfastness is, is grounded and rooted in our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. I, I've Sometimes you say, hey, you're going to go to the meeting tonight? Oh, I sure hope so, brother. Yeah, well, right. I won't see you there. You know, I mean, that's, right. That's, like you said, that's that wish. Well, I wish I could, but I'm kind of busy because I got a soccer game and, you know, all this other stuff going on. But, you know, instead of just saying, no, I can't make it because I got other stuff going on. Well, I sure do hope so. You know, hope to see you there. You know? Right, right, <laughs> right. That is not how it's supposed to be used. You know? <laughs> no, no. We, we've, that word has changed. We, you know, we've lost the meaning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about love. Yes. Explain how you define that in your Bible and your, not in your Bible, but in your uh, studies. Do you know that love is a word that I did not singular out to define in the book because it is integrated into every single word that I define. Praise God. You can you can find love in hope. You can find love in grace. You can find it in His holiness. You can find love in confession and repentance. So there is this underlying definition of love throughout my book because it's throughout the Bible. But I didn't singular it out because that is way too big of a word to try and chase down. So instead of using I was trying that, to get as, you out that one. <laughs> as one word, yeah, instead of using that as, as one word, it is, it is integrated into every, every single word that, that is, that is there. Amen. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to get you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's good though. It's true. I mean, God is love. Yes. God is the word. Therefore, every word has to be love. Yes. Amen. Full of love and Amen. grace and compassion. Amen. And yeah. yes, Amen. all of it. Amen. Janie, this is all so interesting. Glory to God. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about this. <laughs> you've given me some things just in the short time we've been together. You've given me some things to go back and, and look again, you know, like cord. Hmm. Yeah, I'm right. gonna go check that out, you know. Check uh, it out. Yeah, amen. Amen. But that's what happens when when you are a serious student of the word. Folks, sometimes you know, someone has researched and, and something and then shares it with you. That inspires you to go do your own research, right? And mm -hmm. I'm sure that's how you started, right, Jamie? 
Jane. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you get a little curious about one thing and then you start chasing another and another and yeah. another and it becomes joyous and fun and yeah. exciting and it and it takes over. And what better thing to take over our lives than a passion for who the Lord is? Yeah. And and then when you're delivering something new that you just found, what what I love is when I like when the first time I preached about the Samika of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. The pens came up, people start writing. I said, yes, you know, this, yes. that's everyone. Well, I can't say everyone there, but this has impacted somebody because I said, like, yes, you know, I start writing stuff down. I see the highlights come out and stuff like that. That's, that's the exciting part because not just God didn't just give you the revelation. He through you, he shared it with others who will then share it again. And yes. That's what's so neat about books because it just yes. passes from one to the other, you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's my desire is that people would read it and share it and, you know, tell people what's in it and, and do it as studies and talk about it yeah. and let it, let it shape who you are. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, someone shares something and they, Hmm, that's really interesting. I want to see if that's what it really says. Can I tell people, don't believe me? Look it up. Right. It's right there. <laughs> that's right. Look it up. Yeah, Chase man. it down. Because yeah, that's what I've done. I say, what? You know, that that's a little different. So I write it down, go do my research. Sure enough, the person was yeah. right. You know, and I said, yeah. what else have I been missing here? Start. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jenny, how can someone obtain a copy of your book? Deeply defined, understanding who you are in Christ. Is it available on Amazon? It is uh, available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. You can get it on Walmart.com, um, oh, Target.com. Really? There's all kinds of places online that you can order it. It's an ebook version, you know, Kindle Nook, all of that, or you can get um, the hard copy. Either way. Amen. Amen. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask a question, maybe do an interview such as this, how can they do that? How yes. can they get in touch with you? They can go to my website, it, which is janiepitts.com. It's J-A-N-E-Y-P-I-T-T-S.com. And while you're on there, check out the free study guides uh, for this book. And then there's also a way to contact me. Amen. Amen. Well, Janie, you inspired me today to go back and, and look at some more of the root foundations of some scriptures that I said, I've read some of these hundreds, if not thousands of times over the last 27 years. I always love digging just a little bit deeper, right? Yes. And and folks, if that's the same for you, like I said, I have good news for you today. Right now, praise God, just drop down below into the show notes, click the links right there, order your copy today. Take those first steps to understanding scriptures on a more deeper level. Order two, three or more copies. Make a Bible study out of this. Share it with your friends. If you have a, a, a book club or something like that, Recommend this as the book for the next month or so and and go through it together. You'll be surprised. I know when I got started, how common scriptures you've been reading for years suddenly come alive and they start relating to other places in the Bible and the whole Bible opens up to you. That's what will happen when you use Janie's book to help you. Amen. Janie, thank you again for coming on the program today and sharing all about your great book. I do appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a joy. Anyway, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Until next time, for Janie Pitts, myself, as Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. 
Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcasts. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.